Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show. We're going to find out the secret of the ooze. That's right, we're talking TMNT 2, which means I'm joined by my hero on the half shell, Adam Risky. Hey, Adam. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm excited to talk about this movie, question mark. Can I ask you a question to, to kick us off? Absolutely. I think this was your idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> okay, because that was my question. Because I, um, this took me aback, like, similarly to the Crow City of Angels thing, okay. where I was just like, well, that one I almost like you called my bluff. And, like, this time I was just like, if anybody were to come up with, like, let's do a TMNT2 show, that would be me. Yeah. But even I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you were like, let's do it. And I'm excited. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of history with this. But just coming from you, it's a surprise. Yeah, I was convinced, having not seen the movie probably since the 90s, I was like, there's got to be a show there. And then I rewatched the movie, and I'm not so sure. <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> we will do our best. Yeah. Uh, we did do a show on the original TMNT, so you guys should go back in the F This Movie archives and find me and Adam talking about that movie. Was that the night Wes Craven died? No, it was like we recorded that on a Sunday or a Monday, and then before the episode went out, Robin Williams passed away. There it is. Okay, I knew somebody died. And we had to go in and edit because you and I were still pre-Robin Williams passing, doing what a lot of people did was making fun of a lot of stuff that he was in. Yeah. And I think we it was to the extent where like we had like mummy kid-esque tangents about it and we were <laughs> just like oh we have to like really chop this like i remember it was like a panic text where i was just like we need to not yeah right this go out so i remember talking about like how his movies weren't funny yeah which uh you know even in honor of his memory i i still maintain like i don't laugh at his movies even though i really like him as an actor Mm-hmm. But that's beside the point. We're here to talk TMNT 2, not Robin Williams and TMNT 1 and the bad yeah. mistakes that we made on that show. Nobody's uh, perfect. No, okay. I guess not. Uh, Adam, have you seen anything good lately? Yeah, I um, not to pat myself on the back, but I came up with do like it. an idea of like what I wanted to do with my movie watching for the new year. And it's going great. Like, nice. In the time of my life right now, because <laughs> um, I'm I'm I, I have like a movie project where I'm watching ten movies from a specific year that I I've never seen before. I'm doing that each month. I'm changing up the year. Um, I'm trying to get through like rewatches of action movies that I've owned for years, but I haven't seen in a long time. So it's just been great, and I haven't really kept up with like new stuff as much. I haven't like paid any attention to like awards movies. It's just been wonderful. Yeah, it sounds blissful. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Um yeah, and I uh, started my 2003 watches and everything and those got me wanting to rewatch cool. Basic for sure, which I haven't seen since the theater and now I'm like shit, I have to f- track down a copy of Basic. I'm like a basic bitch. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I would have to go back and look at my Travolta ranking, but I, I'm pretty sure I had that like somewhere in the 30s or 40s, and that would probably go up with like to somewhere in the 20s. No, wow, all right. It's just like it's frustrating, but at the end, you're just like, did this just turn into the Avengers? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I would much rather see the basic Avengers than the Marvel Avengers at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Your your write up uh, talked about like a twist at the end. I don't even remember there being a twist. I can remember nothing about that movie except I saw it the day it opened. Yeah, no, I mean, like the it, it's weird because the last like minute of it expand the movie into like so many more interesting possibilities than the preceding 95 <laughs> and you're just like i want to see the next movie not this one but i don't know um yeah when a movie ends well a lot is forgiven for sure yeah so um i'll, I'll talk about some of the newer stuff i did see okay. um i uh so mark and i um we get really excited when we remember we haven't hung out in a while and that we <laughs> plan like uh, a Chinese dinner and like movie night. So we did okay. that um, in January and we went to see Megan. Yeah. And we were all like, yes, Megan is the perfect Mark and Adam movie to go see. So we get to the theater and we sit down and it's all like 12 year old girls. <laughs> and we're just like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, I was super fascinated by, and Megan's like a big hit and everything, but I was super fascinated by just the audience breakdown of it because it didn't really like look like a horror crowd. It looked like, you know, a tween crowd. And like, right. that's something that, you know, like with Ninja Turtles too, like, you know, kid fan base and everything like that. But it's right. just like, now is that Megan? It's kind of interesting. So what you're saying is Megan is 2023's secret of the ooze. I think, yeah, I think Megan, too, should definitely be the secret of the ooze. <laughs> um, the movie itself, I think, is a lot better in its setup than its um, kind of payoff. Because okay. the payoff of it has a lot of um, what I, and I, I read that, you know, the movie was kind of cut down from an R to a PG-13. It definitely has that feel to it. Um, it feels... Like, I've heard the term lately, like, it's not elevated horror anymore. It's, like, meme horror. Oh. And it, it and I, I don't want to be unkind, but, like, it definitely kind of has that feel where it's, like, we saw Megan dance. We did our job. And it's, like, right. that's, sort of, that's sort of it. The thing that elevates the movie from what would have been, like, a one and a half out of four to, like, a two and a half out of four is I think Allison Williams brings a lot of kind of just interest and like caring to like the material and it just kind of made me think like you know wow she's a really good actor and like yeah. i haven't seen her in a lot of stuff since get out like it's kind of surprising that like she's not in just a ton of stuff but um yeah whatever she kind of drags it to whatever success i think the movie has between get out and the perfection and megan is allison williams our greatest modern scream queen Sure. Although I don't think I think she's too poised to scream. Oh, you might be right. She and also very... people don't like the term scream queen, but Oh yeah. So I take back everything I said. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and I saw a man called Otto. Okay. Yes, I'm curious to hear about this. Um it's like kind of a throwback in the sense of like it's the type of movie where 
people who don't regularly go to movies would go out to see it and love it and just be like, wasn't that so nice okay. and everything. And then, so, I mean, there's, there's room for those kinds of movies. I, I think that it's just kind of basic. Um, it's a decent enough Tom Hanks performance. I, I believe him as kind of a curmudgeon. He's not like, you know, Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino or anything. There's no like darker layer to it. He's just like a guy who's had, some really unfortunate things happen in his life and it's just that plus time has just made him into a giant grump and he just wants to be left alone okay um the the movie's kind of drab it takes place a lot on like this one subdivision street where it's like all just these stacked houses on top of each other and like garages and stuff so like aesthetically i wanted to not be there anymore (laughs) Um, but, uh, it's a one and done. It's fine. Okay. Better or worse than Larry crown. See, I'll go back to Larry crown every once in a while for the schadenfreude of it all. Okay. So I don't think I would ever do that with man called Otto because it's sort of just kind of conventional and workmanlike and it's more, there's nothing like, Oh my God, this is a, a train wreck to it. Got it. Who did man called Otto? Who directed it? Yeah. Mark Forster. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So his streak continues. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does have a, yeah, the Mark Forster stamp to it <laughs> for what you will. Um, and then uh, I saw Skinamarink like an hour after I saw A Man Called Otto. <laughs> so um, I'll get back to this in a little bit, but like the, the Pickwick Theater, which isn't too far from us, uh, was this theater that's like 90 something years old. And then there was a lot of talk that it was closing because the current owner was retiring and they didn't have um, anybody to manage the theater anymore. So like it was going to just kind of shut down, but then a lot of prospective, you know, buyers came in and wanted to buy it. I'm not entirely sure like what is going to happen with the theater long-term, but what I'm hearing is that it's, it's future is safe until at least April. Um, <laughs> well, so it's got yeah. a long-term lease on life. So who knows? Um, <laughs> but I, I knew of this theater a lot, like growing up, I just didn't go there regularly because it was never like my neighborhood theater. Right. So, and they played stuff that I could see closer, but like I, I went, um, I saw Shawshank Redemption there. Um, I had never seen it in a theater. It was amazing. Um, Jan wrote in her year-end article a couple weeks ago kind of an experience that she had with Blade Runner like seeing that in the theater and just like really kind of soaking it in um just having that experience of like a movie that you love and just you know watching it in a theater is just such a unique experience compared to watching it at home and that was like really kind of how I felt with um with Shawshank Redemption like and the good thing was I put the movie away for like probably five years. So it didn't feel like new to me, but it felt like fresh right. enough where I didn't remember all the beats and everything. Right. Was it well attended? Yeah. Yeah. The theater seats like about a thousand. And I'd say there's probably like 800 people there that night. No kidding. Wow. You, you just need to threaten to close your theater. <laughs> really drive up business. Where does Shawshank rank in the Darabons? It's my favorite of the Darabons. It's number one, okay. 
Yeah, it was in my it was like my favorite movie for a long time. And um you and it, IMDB. Yeah, yeah. I well who runs IMDB? <laughs> um and I, yeah, you're welcome for all the changes. <laughs> um and yeah, it's uh, it's probably currently like top ten, top fifteen, somewhere okay. in there. Okay. Um, but uh yeah, so I so I went to the Pickwick, like the smaller theaters to see a man called Otto because I'm just like, I've heard of like, you know, it says like theater two ground only in the back. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> so or it says like theater two, theater five stairs only in the back. And I'm just like, what is this place? So after I went to see Shawshank in the big theater, I walked back there and I looked at it and it's like, I can't even describe it. It's like this four screen shoebox. And it's really interesting. And it's like you walk in there and it's those theaters like from back in the day where it's like there's no stadium seating, no recliners, right. just flat seating, one row up the middle, split off to the side, yeah, yeah, yeah. screen about as big as your television. <laughs> you and Rob a picture of it. And I was just like, man, I'm going to I'm going to auto in here. <laughs> um, so I after that was over, I was like. I want to see Skidamarink, and it was playing at the AMC Niles, which is like inside the Gulf Mill Mall, which I haven't been to in forever. And the Gulf Mill Mall is like a dead mall. And if there's anything I love more than old theaters, it's dead malls. <laughs> I have like a real just affinity for them. Hmm. So I get there. I had time. I saw that they had a Sarku Japan in there, and I was wow. just like, "I could have chicken teriyaki." Yeah, <laughs> this is a this is coming up all Adam today. So like, so I had chicken teriyaki. I'm walking past like vacant storefronts and like stores for like Korea travel and things like that. Just like uh, comic stores, but they don't have like anything new it looks like comics from 2008 and it's like are you in business sport card stores where i'm just where it's just like a fan cave but i'm just like but no one will ever buy any of this it was right. so okay. like so i go see skinamarink it's an amc show place do you do you did you ever go to a show place theater i don't think so okay. uh maybe once for like a screening of the guest okay so Showplace Theaters were its own individual chain that got bought by AMC. But I, I'm fond of Showplace because those were the two main theaters when I went to college. They were Showplace Theaters. Um, so when I went to see, uh, uh, what should we call it? Hearts War. I saw it in a Showplace. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, it just says Showplace. It's going to be like an AMC. So I walk in there and I'm like, oh no, this is just a Showplace Theater. So I get into the theater for for uh, Skinamarink. It's stadium seating, but there's no recliners, so there's still a ton of seats. This theater seats maybe like 600 people. I get in there, I'm the only one. In there. <laughs> and then as the movie's about to start, two other people come mm, in. See, I hate that. Well, here's the thing. Okay. I don't know what it is, but with Terrifier 2 and with Skinamarink, I've become like a born-again wuss. Like, I'm terrified of seeing these movies for some reason. Um, in a way, like when I saw Cannibal Holocaust, where I was like white knuckling it the whole time. <laughs> and the joy of it would be that it's over. Like, I'm not. <laughs> so I'm like, it's a test that I have to pass. So, like, 
I was nervous, like seeing Skin of Marine, because I texted you. I was just like, the trailer terrifies yeah. me. And I I saw the movie and like the people in the back, like towards like the end of it were talking and I was just like, talk away. This is great. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, you are breaking the tension, which is fine by me. The movie itself, I can't really think of too many like feature movies that I've seen that are like it because it's it reminds me a lot of like David Lynch shorts where it's like purposely trying to kind of upset you for five minutes. Okay. <laughs> or um, like art installations, like if you go to like Museum of Contemporary Art and you go into a room and you see somebody's kind of avant-garde like art piece, it's like that for a hundred minutes. It's kind of like a haunted house in the sense that the screen is obs- the, the photography in the movie is like obscured, where it's like really kind of fizzle, like kind of pixelated, fizzly, like degraded video. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like sometimes looks like you're inside of a glass of Sprite looking at a room. (laughs) It's just weird. Um, But it's pitch dark for most of it. Uh A lot of times you can't make out what you're seeing. And it's long stretches of just this. And you're just anticipating being scared to death. And the worst part of it is it doesn't happen. So it goes for like 25 minutes and then just out of nowhere, it'll be like a jump scare. And it takes like five seconds. But the image that they show you is really upsetting. <laughs> so I have never had an experience like it. It was like the whole dread aspect of it was like there. I walked out of the theater. I was kind of shook up a little bit. Um, I went home. I had an edible because I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm like I know if I, because I know me. If I have an edible and watch Red Letter Media or something like that, I will fall asleep in two hours, and then Skinamarink can't get me during cannabis sleep because <laughs> I am knocked out. So I avoided like my Blair Witch experience where I was like too scared to sleep that night and everything. But I have had a couple nights where I've like slept with the hallway light on because I'm just like I don't want it pitch dark. Wow! So so that movie freaked me out. Yeah. I don't think it's like anything I'll ever watch again. Okay. Um, but it's effective for what it is. Yeah. I was kind of waiting for shutter just because the way that you had described it. And I heard Elric describe it on colors of the dark. And I was like, that doesn't totally sound like my bag. I still want to see it, but I'm wondering if I'm doing myself a disservice by watching it at home on shutter, as opposed to like in a big dark theater with only two other people talking. I think it would be worse seeing it at home. Oh, really? Because it takes place in a house. So like it makes okay. your, I think the separation of me seeing it in a theater almost helped. Oh, like interesting. If saw, okay. Like if I saw it at home, it would be like the end of Poltergeist right through the TV. Outside. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm just like, there's evil inside. There. <laughs> yeah, do it. Like this TV's done. I, there's so. Um, and then I saw, uh, I've been doing like all these 1989 rewatch or first yeah. time watches. Um, my favorite one so far is Drugstore Cowboy. Okay. Um, I watched, I've, I have a list of 10. I've watched eight of them. Nice. Um, so Drugstore Cowboy is my favorite. I, I always underestimate Gus Van Zandt where like, I just don't consider myself like a huge fan of his except for a couple movies but then i watch like any gus van zandt movie almost and i'm just like wow i really like that more than i thought 
And um, I think it's my favorite Matt Dillon performance that I've ever seen him in. Um, he's so good in it. He finds yeah. like, and, and the thing that's interesting about it is I was expecting the movie to kind of be like a Bright Lights Big City or Requiem for a Dream or something like that. Like just kind of a real slog to get through, but it has a lot of humor to it. Mm-hmm. And it's very, um, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, just very matter of fact it's not like sensationalistic and all at all but the characters are interesting and you care about them and there's like interesting like relationships between like james ramar and matt dylan where they're antagonistic with each other but at the end of the day like ramar is like really happy when like matt dylan's kind of like trying to rehabilitate himself and, and whatnot so i i just came away from it just being like wow that was like just a really terrific movie so I haven't seen it in so long that the only thing that I really remember is Heather Graham in the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. They do put her there, <laughs> but I need to rewatch it because yeah. you talking about it has made me want to revisit it. That it was kind of a blessing in disguise that year that Heather Graham was in the ceiling. Cause the rent stayed the same rate. <laughs> Didn't increase it that year. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I watched, um, I watched Out for Justice, not for the first time, but this was no. one of my action rewatches. Yeah. And there is no fat on the bone in that movie. That no, movie's that just movie's like awesome. A hundred percent pure thrills. Yeah. And um you had said that, that that's you think your favorite Seagal. Yeah. I think it's my number two now, replacing Fire Down Below. Under Siege still being number one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Under Siege, um, I think, but- is like his like best movie it's the most like a movie where even if you're not a seagal fan you could dig under siege but like out for justice i think because of what you're describing and because like the william forsyth performance is so unhinged and seagal's doing his new york accent uh Mm -hmm. there's amazing fights yeah i just love that movie yeah it's so good um the uh one thing i i have not forgotten and i watched it like a week and a half ago is um I laughed so hard at the Polaroids of his partner (laughs) because I've never seen a man like look happier. (laughs) And he's like, (laughs) you know, he's, he's part of a threesome and like in the Polaroid, they show him like, you know, in a, in a position with like one of the girls and stuff. And he's like, just beaming. (laughs) And it's like, why would anyone want to take that away from someone? Right. So I just I just found it really funny. But like the whole thing, like, I mean, you know, Seagal just walking into a bar and he's just like, where's Richie? He killed mm-hmm. Bobby Dupont. And I'm just like, I'm in. I'm totally in. And that's pretty much his only line of dialogue. Like he just walks places and goes like, hey, where's Richie? Yeah. Or like, like he where's... finds dogs. Yeah. And he finds, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know, I read in the trivia for the movie that um, Seagal wanted to adopt the dog and the producers had to take the dog away because they're just like he's not fit to have a dog <laughs> i've never heard a good steven seagal story ever not I got a question for one you. no i got a question for you though like all right so we have we've had conversations before about like canceled celebrities yeah. and like how we feel about watching their stuff yeah. For whatever reason, there's a total blind spot with me with Seagal where I'm just like, yeah, but he's the devil. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll still watch Seagal. I don't have like the same, 
you know, existential wrestling with his stuff, even right. though he's maybe one of the worst. It's weird. Yeah, I don't I I guess it depends on I don't I haven't dug deep enough to know like the stories about him. Yeah. Um so I'm sure if I did, I would find out stuff that would make it much harder for me to watch and enjoy his work. Because like with Woody Allen, like the specifics of what I know from watching that documentary, it's like, well, I, I have a really hard time watching his movies and like laughing now, you know, like because he ma- mostly makes comedies. Whereas with Seagal, I, don't, I just know he's a garbage person, but I don't know the specifics. So it's easy for me to just of- watch him punch people. Yeah, I know enough of the specifics where I should know better, but I think okay. maybe some of it is that I'm always rolling my eyes at him. It's never yes. like I'm rooting for him. So never, never. That could be it. I don't right. know. Yeah. No, I'm never watching the movie like, oh man, Seagal's the coolest. Yeah, never. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the thesis of every one of his movies <laughs> that he's the best. Yeah. It's this weird like alchemy of of things, but it's it's the same like you know with. I mean, like all these action stars that we we really like from, you know, even the time that we were growing up, like almost to a person, you've just heard like they're garbage people. Yeah. But it's like maybe just because every one of them is that and I can't get I can't give up my affection for these movies. I just kind of bundle it into a well, like I throw my hands up and I don't know. Yeah, So I think so. Yeah. Uh, and then we watched Heavy Metal last night. Yeah, we did. We had a smash cut screening of Heavy Metal on the big screen. What It was your first viewing. It was, yeah. Me and uh, Pomero, first screening of it. And what'd you think? I really liked it. It's, um, you know, a great example of, like, the midnight movie. And um, I've been digging the soundtrack. I really like the uh, Sammy Hagar title song. It's I really awesome. like the Donald Fagan song that's not really like prominent in the movie, but it's, I I just like, um, what should we call it? God, why am I blanking? I want to say Doobie brothers, but it's not Doobie brothers. No, it's not. I know the one you're talking about. It's queen B and it's, uh, you keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Okay. No. Yeah. This is driving me crazy. Cause it's like, I think <laughs> of the name of the cover band that does them, but I can't think of the name of the real band, which is embarrassing. Um, Queen B is performed Steely by Dan. it's Steely oh, Dan. Steely Dan. Yeah. Donald What's... Sagan's from Steely Dan. Oh, I thought he was from the Eagles. No. Damn it. Yeah, but I like Steely Dan, even though they said Steely Dan can gurgle my balls and knock them. Oh, Don Felder is from the Eagles. Donald okay. Fagan is, I, I I, shouldn't be on a podcast, let's face it. <laughs> no, I just like lounge music and elevator music, so. I can't stand Steely Dan. I know that's going to upset some people. I don't love that True Companion song. I thought you were talking about Queen Bee by Grand Funk Railroad. No, I, I, I don't. There was no songs in the movie that I disliked. Um, I did. Yeah. I started a songs column for like a couple weeks from now, but I have the list of stuff that I'm going to have in there. And I was like, which one do I pick from heavy metal? And yeah. I ended up with just the journey song because well, sure. I've known it forever and I love it. And yeah, it's just, yeah. But, um, and it's used quite memorably. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> funny. Cause like, yeah, Steve Perry's just like, it's outpouring of heartfelt, genuine emotion. 
to um like a sim city one night stand <laughs> that means nothing to the players in the movie um i think that heavy metal is definitely i definitely like the first half of it better than the second half of it it's a weird anthology in that it ends kind of weak yeah i agree the first of- couple stories are the strongest I, I think my I was gonna ask you what's your favorite story in there? I think it's Den. Um I think that's mine too. Cause that one's so funny. Like John Candy's vocal performance is so funny and it he's got a real character to play this fourteen year old kid in or I guess he's eighteen. Um inside the body of this like muscle bound He Man. Yeah. Um I don't love the last one. When I was young, I feel like that was my favorite because it's like so ambitious and the animation so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really the only one that kind of wears on me now where I'm like a little bit bored during it. The rest of them are all short enough that yeah. I dig I dig all the rest of them. Yeah, I, I, I like Den a lot. I thought that the stuff with the zombie soldiers was really cool. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of like Pink Floyd the Wall a bit at times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really, I really enjoyed heavy metal and I'm, I'm glad that I saw it for the first time in a theater. Yeah. That's a really cool way to see it. Yeah. And then I bought the Blu-ray this morning. Nice. So thank you, Patrick Brown. No, thank you for coming out to those screenings. Cause it's yeah. nice to have friends there. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, that's it. All right. Um, I don't, I don't have a ton. I don't think. Uh, heavy metal, obviously. Just today, I watched Never Die Alone, which we were texting about a little bit, and I didn't realize it was an Ernest Dickerson joint. And then when you told me that, I was like, I couldn't press play fast enough. Yeah. It might be one of my least favorite Dickersons. Um, I'm not surprised. I, I've never heard anything about it. It's not great. It's just kind of a kind of a DMX gangster movie told in a very weird structure. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but it's a lot of it is told via flashback, but not enough of it that the whole thing is told via flashback, if that makes sense. Uh, It's the structure is super weird. David Arquette plays a journalist or a writer who's listening to tapes of DMX narrating his life as King David and, um, he he's just a garbage person. He gets a lot of girls like hooked on drugs so they won't leave him. Um, it's directed well because Ernest Dickerson directs everything well, but I, I didn't love it. I feel like I've seen a couple of Dickerson's like made for TV movies, like that Dean Cain one or that our America one. And those are especially not great, but of the theatrical Dickerson's, this one might be my least favorite. What's the tone of it? Is it just a drama or is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously very inspired by like seventies black exploitation, like Superfly. Mm. Um, But it's not as good as Superfly. Okay. Yeah. I think that was his last theatrical movie that he directed. That was 2004. That means we haven't had a Dickerson in almost 20 years. He's done a ton of TV. Yeah. Since then. But yeah, I, I I followed him up to Bones, but I never watched Never Die Alone. It's on HBO Max. It's an easy watch. It's pretty short uh, yeah. if you want to just fill in a gap there. Um, 
I saw uh, Sorry About the Demon, which is the new Emily Hagen's movie that is streaming on Shudder as of this week. Emily Hagen's is like somebody whose career I'm always supporting. I'm always excited to see. Do you know who she is? I feel like I kind of do, but I don't know for sure. Okay. So she was like this 12-year-old girl that made a zombie movie called Contagion. And then uh, I think it's called Contagion. And then they made a documentary about her making that movie called Zombie Girl, the movie. Have you ever seen that? I remember you talking about Zombie Girl, the movie at some point. Zombie Girl is really good. Um, It's really fun. She is like an Austin native and is part of that kind of filmmaking community. And uh, so I got so excited and I've seen every one of her movies. She made a movie that played the first ever chicago critics film festival called grow up tony phillips that's i think where i remember her from yeah so charming like Mm -hmm. i really like that movie and i keep wanting her to like get better and better and and sorry about the demon is like totally fine i have no complaints about it except that i i wanted to love it and didn't and that's more of a me thing than the movie thing it's essentially a guy a family buys a house that is possessed by a demon that wants to take over their like 10 year old girl. And obviously they don't want her possessed, but they also don't want to give up the house because it was such a great deal. So Mm -hmm. they find uh, like this poor sap to move in so that the demon will possess him instead. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he's going through a breakup. And so the movie is about him kind of taking personal responsibility and trying to get his girlfriend back. And, it's like charming and very pleasant. It's not especially scary. The one really good jump scare involves a bunch of cabinets opening, but they already did that in one of the paranormal activity movies. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they did it, I was like, well, that's very impressively done technically, but it didn't scare me at all. Um, so I liked it just fine, but I, I was really hoping to be blown away by it and I'm not there yet. Okay. Oh, well. Um, and then I the only other thing I think I'll talk about is I rewatched Tightrope because the music box is showing it this week as part of their Giallo January series. And I'm not totally on board with it being a Giallo movie. Uh, and that was kind of why I wanted to watch it, because I was like, does this fit? And I still don't totally think it does. Mm-hmm. But it's awesome nonetheless. Um, okay. It's it's like I really love Clint Eastwood mystery thrillers that aren't necessarily Dirty Harry movies. Like I like the Dirty Harry movies, but he's playing he's so dialed into that one character and that one character is kind of one note. Um like Dirty Harry's awesome and whichever one he made with Sandra Locke is really good. Mm-hmm. The, really they're all good i like all the dirty harry movies but i like i really love like the eastwood mysteries that aren't dirty harry so like we talked about blood work recently or true crime or tightrope is like a basically a dirty harry movie only he's not playing dirty harry um and it's directed by richard tuggle but supposedly eastwood like pushed him aside because he wasn't moving fast enough <laughs> because you know eastwood oh, is like we did one take that's good you know and mm-hmm. wants to move on so he can go i don't know have dinner or play golf or whatever the fuck it is clint eastwood does when he's not filming um 
but yeah, he's just a cop who's like kind of a scumbag. Like he goes and sees uh, prostitutes and like is into weird kinky sex. And uh, he has these two daughters and he's not a great dad, uh, you know, which is the a running theme in every Clint Eastwood movie is like, oh, he's a disappointing father. Um, I wonder how that feels if you're Allison Eastwood. <laughs> but uh it's really, really solid. It's one of my favorite of his 80s movies. Where is it on the sleaze scale with cruising being the sleaziest? Uh, I mean, it's not as sleazy as cruising. Is it like eight millimeters sleazy? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Eight millimeter. I like eight millimeter, but sometimes I feel like eight millimeter is like, pretending to be sleazy i know what you mean yeah but i like it um because the last time i watched it i was like oh this is like a a neo-noir and i was watching it through that lens and i was liking it a lot more as opposed to like imitation david fincher which is kind of what i dismissed it as when i saw it in 98 it was like early 99 99 okay yeah I, I felt like maybe because Andrew Kevin Walker had written it, I felt like it was Joel Schumacher trying to do David Fincher and I've divorced myself from that attitude now. And I like it a lot more. Yeah. I always think it's when you mentioned that it's sort of, I don't know if the word compromise is right, but it just kind of feels like it's, it's kind of pretending a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the, not to spoil eight millimeter, but like the last shot, it's like, Nicholas Cage doing yard work and it's like mm-hmm. everything's okay now and it's just like yeah the honey do list just cured everything <laughs> and yet I watch that shot and I think it's meant to be not uh, ironic is too arch a word to describe it but I feel like it reminds me of that shot at the end of the Hurt Locker where he's like trying to grocery shop Oh, yeah. Okay. And you're like, oh, this guy can't function in the normal world anymore because of what he's been through. And that's how I view that last shot in 8mm, even though there's really nothing like in the movie or in the cinematography to support that reading. Yeah. I think that's just me carrying my own baggage based on what Nicolas Cage has been through in the movie, where I'm like, well, he couldn't possibly just be raking leaves. He has to be tortured and damaged raking leaves now, right? Sure. He met I the machine. That- I think that right. Oh, machine. I mean, come <laughs> on. We, we still talk about machine at work every day. Um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, may, I think with the Hurt Locker, maybe it's just, he wants to get away from the actor that he's married to. Uh, that's possible too. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt like the movie should have ended on that shot and not where it ends, but I oh, don't yeah, it doesn't ever... end with him like back. Yeah. Like doing something with a bomb. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I've never gone back and revisited uh, the Hurt Locker. I own it, but I think I've seen it maybe like once on Blu-ray and okay. I saw it once in the theater and that was it. Yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm never like, oh, it's Hurt Locker time. <laughs> I feel like I'd be more inclined to watch Zero Dark Thirty again, maybe just for the chastain yeah. of it all. I feel like I'd be more inclined to watch Turtles two and turtles three again what a segue because we're gonna talk turtles two it's amazing oh my gosh how did you do that Uh, i don't know i mean like 10 years on the site i got pretty good at segues (laughs) 
Um, I, I have a question for you. This is kind of like, you know how we do movie games at the end of the show? Yes. Where it's like, is this better or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to do that. Okay. But I want to do one that's a little different. It's a little new for 2023. But I, I think that it's going to be more interesting to get re- your reaction before we have the deep dive conversation. Okay. If we wait till after. Okay. Okay. So these are the um, quote movie blurbs from the newspaper ad for Turtles. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to read this to you and I want to see you just say yes or no if you agree. Okay. Okay. Fast, funny, superbly entertaining. Mm. No. Better than the first. No. You'll be stunned, wowed, shell-shocked. Yes. (laughs) Four stars. They came, they saw, they cowabunga'd. (laughs) All these people got fired, right? (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) Uh, No. Uh, move over, Superman. The Sultans of the Sewer are back. <laughs> I mean, yes, because that's just stating a fact. That's not actually, that's just objective. I think it's funny that they said move over, Superman, who at that time had not been on screen for four years. Right? <laughs> and it's not like, like if it was like Batman coming in, it's like move over, Superman. That but makes more is... sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like me compared comparing species to alien it's like what are we really doing <laughs> all right um ultra hip cartoon amusing wisecracks hilarious asides <sighs> you know what i was with it until hilarious asides okay um in the last one hip entertainment of the season turtles 2 will not disappoint fast-paced serving of light-hearted fun <laughs> uh I have to disagree because it says it will not disappoint, and it did disappoint in 1991. Yeah, yeah. How old were you when you saw it? I was like 13, I guess. Wasn't it cool for 13-year-olds to see turtles at the time? Uh, Probably not, which is weird because one year earlier I was 12 and it was totally fine to go see turtles. Yeah. But like one year later it was a little bit of a secret shame, and yet I was – I feel like I was still in the pocket for turtles – uh, and yet this was one of those movies that I was like, oh yeah, no, that didn't work for me. Okay. Got it. What was yeah. your, were you a fan the first time you saw this? Cause you were young. Oh my God. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I was eight, almost nine. Okay. Um, this is much more I, of a kid's movie. Yeah. But I, um, I didn't think it was as good as the first one even then. Okay. Good. The first one was like one of the best movies I had ever seen. <laughs> um, and I remember my birthday party, like two months after I saw the original movie in ninety in nineteen ninety. And by the way, Turtles two came out like eleven months after. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. Um, which I'm a big fan of when sequels do that. Like you got like just get it all out there because represent the era that you're in. Era. Don't drag it out. Era. Right. Don't make um, us wait thirteen years for a second one. Yeah. Well, there's 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 exceptions. But if you <laughs> Can imagine like, if they waited 13 years and then came out with Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, if Secret of the Ooze came out in 2003. <laughs> I don't quite have the same ring to it. Um, the uh, I but yeah, like after I saw TMNT 1990, I uh, I had a birthday party where the, my only rule was every present had to be a Ninja Turtles thing. So like I was like. <laughs> 
I was in the bag. I had everything. Yeah. I had bed sheets. I had like all I had figures. It was everything. Um, Turtles 2, like I remember just I don't even know how to describe it. It was just kind of like I was in the like you said, I was in the pocket for it. Like it was any turtles was good turtles to me mm-hmm. at the time. Um, I didn't get discerning about it until something happened between 91 and 93 because by the time 92 happened what (laughs) yeah yeah okay well that solves it um so (laughs) but by the time in march of 93 when turtles 3 came out i didn't i didn't care it wasn't even like i was so disappointed by turtles 2 that i didn't want to see turtles 3 it's just like i like turtles 2 but just by the time i was 10 i just it was over i just didn't care anymore were they still even like in the public consciousness at that point by 93 like was the cartoon still running i have no idea i'm sure it was in some way shape or form because i don't think that there was ever a time that like the turtles went dormant necessarily Right, right um but yeah i don't know like what what would it have been like i got it if it was you know, Jurassic Park, but that came out after like TMNT three. So it's like something between that. Maybe it was just because I was starting to watch like between Turtles two and Turtles three. That's like when the doors really opened where my parents were like, just watch what we're watching. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, after you've seen JFK and (laughs) and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, do I really care about, turtles three and the answer is yes but when you're 40 (laughs) you will come back to it i feel like i might have cared more i didn't go see turtles three we talked about this a little bit yesterday like i i didn't go see it in theaters um and i feel like i would have cared about it a little bit more if not for like the premise if it was literally just like the turtles are fighting in New York city again, maybe I would have gone to see it, but I was like, I don't know if I can get on board with them going to feudal Japan. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I I read that they were deliberately trying to make it more story driven than the second one. Cause the second one felt very there's, much like, no, there's no story in the second one. No, no, it's uh, Yeah. There's no character changes. There's no arcs. There's no growth. I think back to like Roger Ebert's review of the first Ninja Turtles. And he said like, this is as good of a Ninja Turtles movie as there could be. And I kind of agree with that. Like, yeah, really, really, yeah. there's a lot to like about that first Ninja Turtles movie. And I feel like the second one came out and I was like, oh, that's what the first movie could have been. Yeah. And um, I know that they made some changes clearly to like the tone and the level of violence and it was much more cartoony. And the Turtles 2 is definitely more akin to the television cartoon, the Saturday morning cartoon, whereas the first movie is more the comic from everything I've heard. And I think I was always more of a comic turtles guy then i never really got into the cartoon even though i like liked the turtles and probably wanted the toys and never had them i maybe had like a michelangelo um but he had no one to fight with so he just laid there you know uh so i never really got into the cartoon so the second one feeling so much like an episode of the cartoon uh probably explains why it just was never for me and we should probably like 
preface this with apologies to Andy, Rosalie's boyfriend, because I know he's obsessed with the Ninja Turtles and might very well love Secret of the Ooze. I don't know his feelings on this movie, but I feel bad uh, shitting on this movie if he loves it or if anyone loves it. Obviously, more power to you if this movie brings you joy. Yeah, and I don't even hate the movie or dislike the movie. I just don't think it's good, but I can definitely watch it and be entertained enough by it. Like, it's... I'm never, like, dragging myself to watch it, and I probably will watch it, like, once every three or four years, just by whatever reason. Maybe because I'm watching the first one, and it just feels like I can't stop there. (laughs) Um, Turtles 3, this was... I I watched it yesterday, and that was my first time watching that, probably in, like, 15 or years or more. But, but yeah, I, I wrote down... You know, kind of as you were mentioning, you know, like that they don't have any character arcs and the story is really underdeveloped and everything. I wrote down like the turtles are just in a state of being in the moment, not reflective like the first one. And that sounds kind of silly, like it's sort of me kind of making a joke, but it also is there's some truth to it. Whereas the one of the things I like about the first one so much is like... There's scenes of like Raphael in the dark crying and Splinter is like telling him like, I I, I wish I could do something about your anger. Like I, but like, I'm here for you and like your brothers are here for you. And like, but like, you need to figure this out because otherwise you're going to have like a really tough time and everything like that. It's like, there's real emotional stakes to, Mm -hmm. they care, like the filmmakers care about, these turtles about their well-being and their emotional state and everything like that. And it's so odd. And it, that's one thing that always pissed me off about like the pearl clutching critics at the time where all <laughs> they could see was, you know, they're just like, this endorses violence. And I'm just like, if anything, it just endorsed like business for karate dojos. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> like it just made like karate cool and like right. ninjing cool. It didn't make it like, that everybody was out there like kicking each other in the face. Like if that was your takeaway from watching the Ninja Turtles, then you just wanted to kick somebody in the face. Like, well, I just feel like saying that, like, because you're watching characters fight on screen means you will want to fight. Like a is ignorant of depiction versus endorsement. And B suggests that you've never seen a movie before and don't understand how they work. Yeah. Yeah, another criticism that they had was, this was one of Ebert's, I think he said this for the review of the second one, was that it's a movie that sort of endorses groupthink, where... (laughs) You, it's not, it's not, you, you just kind of have to like crack jokes with your friends and agree with everything that they're saying. And you're all one person and it's all like, there's no individualism to any of you and everything like that. I'm just like, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> like eight year olds have friends. Eight year olds don't have fully developed personalities yet. He's clearly reading way too far into it and assigning like giving too much responsibility to the secret of the fucking ooze. But at the same time, he is zeroing in on a problem of the screenplay, which is that they don't have individual personalities the way they did in the first movie. I don't think Donatello and Michelangelo are all that different in the OG, 
but mm-hmm. I think Leonardo and Raphael are very different from the other brothers and from each other and sort of the tension between them about how will you choose to live your turtle life is interesting and gives the movie like a dramatic spine that doesn't exist in the sequel because they are kind of all interchangeable and samey. I guess, yeah, I mean, like, more so in the second one. The thing that's weird, though, and maybe this is just carryover from the first movie, but I never had any issue, like, understanding what each one of them is all about. Like, Michelangelo is the class clown. Donatello is the tech nerd. But is that that carryover from the cartoon? Because I don't think... No, I didn't watch the cartoon before I saw the movies, so... In this movie, is Donatello a tech nerd? Yeah, he's the computer guy. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I forgot he it. Because he's got giant fat fingers. And he's like, <laughs> for a hacker, he's just doing hunting and pecking. But right. Like, anyways, anyway, I'm sorry. Leonardo side. is what? Leonardo is just kind of like the. He's like the heart. No, what's the what's the name of the oldest Sully boy? Jake. No. The, <laughs> <laughs> the one who. Yeah. the son uh... Not Loak, but the one that's older. Nayak? No. (laughs) Shit. It starts with an N. Okay. It's something that sounds like Natiri, but it's not Natiri. Exactly. It's, um... I'm looking it up. Nateum. Nateum. He's, uh, Leonardo is Nateum. Where he's like the model citizen, the one that won't do anything wrong. Right. And then Raphael is the the brooding, depressive type and everything like that. Not the leader of the group, as he's assigned in the song T-U-R-T-L-E Power. No, because it's Leonardo is the leader. Yes. How does the song get it wrong? I don't know. I mean, like, they might have done the song without seeing the movie. Well, that's not a good way to do business. (laughs) I don't know. I, I wasn't there with partners in crime when they recorded it. So maybe <laughs> I I'm thought you were the, the third be. partner in crime. Oh, I've got more news about stuff like that, but oh, that's shit. coming later. I, it's not about partner in crime, but it's about the song You Are My Hero by Technotronic featuring, or by uh, Yakid K. Yeah. So I'll get into that. That's for part two, right? Cause that's in part two. Yeah. Part one was Yo DJ Spin That Wheel. Yeah, that was in there. Gonna okay. make you feel. So DJ, spin that wheel. <laughs> I know these movies very well. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so like, I, I, I don't know, but I, I agree with you that everybody's kind of a Michelangelo this time. Yeah. And whatever individual personality traits are carried over from the first movie. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, isn't like the end of the world. It's just one of the reasons why I don't think this movie works particularly well. But it is like it sets out to be an episode of the cartoon. And on that level, I suppose it succeeds. It's just not what I'm interested in from a Turtles movie or any movie for that matter. Yeah. And then I didn't know this until somebody pointed it out to me. But like they're trying to tone down the violence by like Mm -hmm. instead of hitting each other with swords and bow staffs and stuff like that, they're hitting each other with like links of sausage. Right. Yeah. They don't use their weapons really at all in this movie. No. No, but um, this is a weird segue. All right. Or actually, no, before we do the weird segue, what what is your from from everything that you've seen of the Ninja Turtles? What what from favorite to least favorite? What, how do you rank your turtles? 
Oof. Wow. I, you know, I when I was younger, I was a Raphael guy. Okay. Huh. Because I think I thought Psy were cool, even though like they are cool. I I mean, ultimately, Casey Jones was my favorite out of everybody. Like I would take him over the turtles. Yeah. Uh, but if I had to pick a turtle, it was Raphael was my favorite. I feel like now as an adult. And this isn't me just like picking the Ringo, but I feel like Donatello is maybe my favorite. OK. This is, what Any particular reason? I just feel like he's the most underrated of the turtles. I could see that. He's kind of like the guy who just is in there doing the work. Yeah. Like he just gets in, does the work, doesn't look for, you know, the courtesy laugh like a Mike might do. (laughs) He's not like begging you to be, you know, altruistic like Leo. Right. He doesn't have sassafras to spare like (laughs) Raph. Damn. Did you miss Josh Pace doing doing the voice? Cricket, you gotta know what a crumpet is to play cricket. That's really good. Thanks. Can you do um, that? Yeah, yeah, of course I can. But uh, like those for other movies. I didn't realize how much I would miss Josh Pace and Corey Feldman until I saw this movie. Rewatched this movie, I should say. Did Josh Josh Pace not come back? I know Feldman wasn't. He, he did came not. back in three, but yeah, I know he did. Uh, and he didn't for this one because he was going through like some substance problems, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Feldman, yeah, yeah, not Josh Pace. That guy's clean as a whistle. Yes, he is. He is. <laughs> um, who was your favorite turtle when I was a kid? It was Leo because I was a big wuss, so like I was just like, rules, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then I like the color blue, so I was like, "Sure, sure. that's a no-brainer." Yeah, rules and blue. <laughs> uh, sign me up. Um, then, but now as an adult, I would say it's Raphael is my favorite because, like, he's there's more to him, I think, than than yeah, a lot. He's of the most want. kind of dynamic of them all because yeah. he has some inner conflict, whereas the rest of them are just like pizza. Yeah, because he's kind of like a crab ass, but he doesn't want to be a crab ass. Right, so exactly. Like kind of that that dynamic. Um, and then I think I like Michelangelo more now than I did as a kid. As a kid, I was threatened by him in the sense that it was just like <laughs> I wanted to be the class. Crowd. Right, this guy's so gonna upstage me all the time. Yeah, it was like when I did tri- bar trivia, and there was this guy Mark. And Mark was a friend of my friend Jeremy. And Mark showed up like while we were already a bar trivia team. And I could tell right away from that first night, I'm like, Mark is just me times two. <laughs> like, this, so everybody was just kind of like, isn't Mark great? I'm like, yeah, okay. Mark is fine. <laughs> and Mark was totally nice. But I was just like, not that you're trying to replace me, but I right. just felt it's like if you see your double in real life, you feel less special. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and then uh and I think nowadays there's value in the class clown. I I I you know, he's not a fool, especially in the third one. They try to make him into a little bit something more than just the guy who jokes around all the time. Okay. Um, and then I would say Leo is three. Oh my god, Donatello's Donatello is my four, just because like 
I respect the Donatellos of the world, but like, I just don't have much to do with them. Like just our personalities wouldn't mesh as well. I'm not smart like Donatello, but I probably am a Donatello, like in that yeah. I'm not noticed, you know? Yeah. So maybe oh. that's why I identify with Donatello. I think you're like more noticed than you assume that you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Anyway. Also, Corey so, Feldman does my voice. <laughs> I can, well, I knew that. <laughs> um, no, the Donatello thing, it's like there was a kid that I knew growing up who like became like a John Tesh type of like recording pianist. And everybody was just like, isn't so-and-so great? And I'm just like, yeah, he's great if you're into that. Right. And I'm just, and that's kind of my Donatello thing where I'm just like, I've got nothing against him. I wish him all the success in the world, but I just cannot be bothered. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, Were you a big, like, all right. So this was kind of the time period era, if you will. Era. Era. Of like slime and goop. Mm, and yeah, no, I was not a like Nickelodeon Double Dare and all that right, stuff. Right, right. I mean, I liked it on Double Dare or like on You Can't Do That on Television. Dating myself because I'm a little older when people would get slimed. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that that show was great. But they made it like Nickelodeon made it their whole brand. Like slime was the thing you associated with them, and I was obviously out of Nickelodeon by then, so I was never a big slime or ooze guy. And maybe I'm misreading the movie or misremembering the movie that I rewatched fucking yesterday, but I was reading like the IMDb trivia today and it was like, yeah, they, they, it was supposed to be that the ooze came from outer space, that it was like alien ooze. And that was the secret yeah. of the ooze, but that subplot got cut. And I read yeah. that and I was like, that would have been something because as it exists, what is the secret of the ooze? I think this is ooze without a secret. You are correct, sir. Yeah. 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 Just that it's made by this company that David Warner works for. But who could possibly give a shit? Speaking of David Warner, yeah. I watched this movie and I, I got to say... I'm glad that I'm past the age where I'm like, what the fuck is David Warner doing in this movie? Like how embarrassing now I'm just at a point where I'm like, actors have to work. This is a job. He's committed to this Paige Turco. Like actors have to work. This was a break for her, her and David Warner on opposite ends of the scale. But at the same time, like a job is a job. And I admire that they're willing to take work. I what I read about David Warner is that he was like really enthusiastic about being in this movie because it was a chance for him not to play a villain. Okay. Um, so I and I also think that there's a certain element of it, like you've heard it with like Tommy Lee Jones and Batman Forever, or uh maybe more famously like Raul Julia and Street Fighter. It's like right. I want to do something that my kids will like. So, you know kids like time bandits. Kids like Two Face. Kids like kids like Time After Time. Kids like The Omen. David Warner had plenty of things that kids can see. Kids like Drugstore Cowboy. <laughs> do, do kids like Two Face? Are they no? No, I'm kidding. Uh, we tolerate it. No one likes Two Face. Yeah. And like also, the like Riddler is kind of bad in that movie. Why is Batman Forever so good with two kind of shitty villains? 
Dr. Chase Meridian. <laughs> and also Robin is cool. That's the only time that they that they bottled yeah. coolness with Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> or maybe Three Musketeers also. Yeah, he's not bad in that. He's good. More on that to come. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, how do you okay, so I have seen this movie so many times, so like I, I had time to kind of investigate things and look up stuff on my phone while I was watching it and everything like that. So I was looking up a lot of like turtle facts while I was watching it. Like actual turtle facts? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like how, what's the lifespan of a turtle? Okay. And I kept thinking, I'm just like, okay, so a lifespan of a turtle. And I looked up what is lifespan of New York turtle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I wanted to get more specific. Right. Cause they're not sea turtles. Right. And they're it's sewer a- turtle, your common sewer turtle. Or your common sewer turtle, which, by the way, they said that most turtles would not want to live in a sewer because they they, they wouldn't want to be like in an enclosed, like damp space with darkness and stuff like that. But mm. they thrive more in the light and everything like that. So, you know, maybe not the most accurate depiction of turtles. But um, is that why they come out of the shadows? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing. At the end of Turtles 3, they're just like, let's stay in feudal Japan. We're liked here. We're respected. We don't have to live in a sewer. And I'm just right. like, that's a great point. And then Paige Turco's just like, fuck you. We're going back. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. Not cool, Paige Turco. Cool. Yeah. But um, so, like, I, I looked up, can you feed a turtle pizza? The answer mm-hmm. was no. I would assume so. Um, How is there no I, product placement for the pizza in this movie? There's Why no pizza in like... Turtles 3 either. Yeah. Like the first Turtles, it was Pizza Hut, right? Correct. I, I remember think... the, the promotional tie-in. Yeah, I don't know. Because, yeah, like Kino, who we, we should talk about. Ernie we, Ridge, of course. Um, yeah, he works for, I think it's like Ray's Pizza. It's like some yeah. generic. Like, pizza Which I'm pizza. fine with. I'm just surprised that there isn't, you know, like he works for Domino's or some shit. Yeah, especially after like kind of what a hit. The right. first one was. Although they give them a do- they give them Domino's pizza in the sewer in the first one. Why did I think it was Pizza Hut too? Because Pizza Hut had like the tie-in, I think. Like the Pizza Hut commercial was before the VHS, yeah. right? Yeah, and then Pizza Hut had the coming out of our shells tour thing. Course, do you remember which that? I do remember. I didn't go see it live, but like the fact that the turtles were so big that they could go on tour. With yeah. like, I've seen clips of it on YouTube. It's the most embarrassing shit ever. And yeah, the fact I, that like people would go see that. I remember them being on Oprah. I've seen clips of them on Oprah. That's yeah. so fucking embarrassing. Like, there's so many, there's so much bad turtle media out there. I I watched. Uh, oh God. <laughs> I rewatched I, that by the way. <laughs> did you really? Did with the with the? No, no, I will not okay. watch the version okay. of the animal cruelty. Okay, so I really, really hope that the turtle in heaven gets his revenge on Rick. <laughs> I thought that was very funny in our Friday Night Double Measures where he said, give him hell. Yeah, <laughs> like you're in my world now. <laughs> um, so I uh, I did some, I, I did a lot of like rabbit hole stuff with this show because <laughs> there's not a lot of meat on the bone to talk nope. about movie-wise. But yeah, like the coming out of our shells tour, um, I have to admit a secret shame. I think we're the turtles you can count on us is like 
<laughs> maybe a six out of ten. Like it's <laughs> like I'm not saying the whole concert's good or like all right. the songs are good, but they, they knew the right song to close on. <laughs> what if they like, open with that shit and the whole audience just left? They're like, "That's what we came for." Maybe. We maybe just, let's yeah. beat the rush out of here and let's just go. We already heard you can count on us. I, uh, I, for a reason I won't explain, um, I watched the <laughs> Sudden Impact trailer today. Okay. And um, he says, go ahead, make my day like three times in the trailer. Sure. And it's just like, and it's and it's the same moment. It's just like, isn't this so great? We oh my gosh. It. See, this is my problem with the Dirty Harry movies. That's why a year later he's making Tightrope and visiting hookers. Yeah. Um, so what, the, one of the funniest ones in the coming out of our shells tour was uh, Splinter has his own song and it's called Skipping Stones. And for some reason, he um, they affect like a Neil Diamond, like Bruce Springsteen voice for Splinter's singing voice. So he's just like Skipping Stones. I'm Skipping Stones. So you're better at this than I. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty great. And then I watched. Um, they had a turtle, um, uh, Christmas special, and at the end, all right, TMNT three. Uh, coming turtles out of our in store, time. Um, turtles Christmas special. All is sick turtles costumes. Okay, got it. The delineation is turtles one and turtles two was Jim Henson's creature shop. Right. So whatever company won the bid for future turtle media um had ideas and they all look terrible and they're the the suits in one and two are great and they're i was watching two yesterday and again not loving it but i'm thinking to myself like i would so much rather watch this movie i never saw out of the shadows but i didn't love that first platinum dunes one uh, for a lot of reasons, and one of them is because they're CG, and I would much rather watch people, you know, stunt performers in suits uh, that are like amazing animatronics than I would watch big CG nothings. Yeah, they look really ugly, too. That's one of the problems with it also. But yeah, speaking of the other Turtles movies, like the TMNT 2007 i was really excited for it when it came out and then when i saw it i was just like immediately bored um, yeah that's kind of how i felt about it i remember nothing about it yeah and the michael bay turtle movies i remember the second one being like a little bit better because it has krang in it finally okay it's like a cool it's cool to see krang but like when you're hanging your hat on that, you right. know that the movie's not working. <laughs> As somebody who didn't really watch the cartoon, Crank kind of me. I mean, I know who he is, but he doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. So that wouldn't um, be enough to get me in the theater. Before I forget, so the the Turtles Christmas song. Oh so yeah, I was sorry. Skipping around the special, and there's a song about um, how Splinter is the last person on their list of what of people or things, species, animals. <laughs> that they're getting a Christmas gift for. And the That's song is, weird. the song goes, gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift, gotta get a gift for Splinter. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, six out of 10. <laughs> I'm skipping stones. <laughs> so, I don't know, but. Uh, Down in Atlantic City. <laughs> uh, 
Um, what do you think about Super Shredder? Fuck Super Shredder. Fuck Shredder in this movie. Does he um, commit suicide? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't supposed to be in the movie. They wanted him in the movie because they wanted it to be like the cartoon. Again, you read like what Eastman and Laird wanted. And it seems like New Line at every note was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, we're going to go another way. <laughs> and we did the opposite of what they asked. Um, even like Bebop and Rocksteady, they wanted in the movie and Eastman and Laird were like, no, that's kind of like the cartoon. Could you not do that? And we're, they're like, sure thing. <laughs> yeah, Tokyo and Razar do not work. Holy shit. Just the whole like mama and Shredder going, they're babies. <laughs> Just the best thing about this movie. Um, uh, the best thing about this movie is um, the vanilla ice scene. It certainly plants the movie firmly in 1991. Because I feel like Did that you? shit was dated by the time this movie came to theaters. Yeah, because vanilla ice didn't have a long shelf life. No. Like Ice Ice Baby was big in 1990. Right. Um, is he supposed to be vanilla ice in this or just like? I think he is vanilla ice. Because it seems like a small venue for Vanilla Ice to be playing at that point of his fame. Right. Maybe he's getting back to his roots, going back, doing the clubs. Maybe. I mean, like, if anything, it makes him look good because he's a master of improvisation. (laughs) He comes up with ninja rap and the choreography on the spot. That everyone knows. Um, by the way, he's playing clubs. The fucking turtles played stadiums coming out of our shelves, played the Rosemont Horizon. <laughs> Did they really? Probably. Yes. The one, oh, when I was watching some of that coming out of our shelves tour video thing, they played, they opened the tour at like Radio City Music Hall and they played there for like eight nights. Jesus. We gotta fight to be free. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was a pay-per-view special. I mean, like this country was turtle crazy. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so I signed up for that like newspaper archive subscription. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things I've been having a great time with is just like going back and reading reviews, seeing ads, looking at what was playing at theaters that I grew up going to, stuff like that. Um, so the day that Turtles Two opened. This is one of my favorite things is when other movies would latch on to the turtle craze or the craze of whatever. <laughs> right. movie was, right. And then they would cater their ads to that. So there was a picture of um, it was Home Alone that was like in month four of its release. And it was Macaulay Culkin doing like the thing with his face like, ah, but it said, holy cowabunga. And he had like a turtle mask <laughs> covering his eyes. How was that was getting great. anyone to go see Home Alone? By reminding you of this other movie that you could also go see. Yeah, I remember. I remember loving when, um, when Attack of the Clones was running ads for itself, and they were really advertising like the Yoda with a lightsaber fight at the end, but they were doing it in a way that like tricked you into thinking it was for Spider Man, and I was like. Holy shit, Star Wars is bowing to Spider-Man. I love this. I was so excited that Spider-Man was the dominant force in that relationship. It was the uh it was the top and Star Wars was the bottom. 
I remember that, but I don't. What what was it doing in the ad with Yoda with the lightsaber that was bowing to Spider? It was like get ready for the ultimate spin, and then it would cut to like Yoda spinning around and fighting. Oh my god! Yeah, come on now. Yeah, um, yeah, but when I watch like the ninja rap scene and everything, I have two thoughts. One, I'm just like, this is so stupid, but it's also like this is so cinema and I can't really like, (laughs) like I kind of respect it from that regard. Like we're creating moments here. These are memorable (laughs) moments. I'm sorry. I thought you meant Kirsten cinema. Like this is so shitty and awful. Oh, okay. Splitting hairs, I guess. Skipping stones. I'm Um, skipping stones. Another thought I had in that scene was it reminded me a lot of like what happened to you at the Beetlejuice screening where it's like you're doing your thing. Vanilla Ice is having a concert and then the turtles show up and try to up up the game. And it's like, what's going on here? Who are they? Fucking Mark? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, What's we call it? Did you ever, like, this is maybe the most embarrassing autobiographical turtle thing for me. I'm ready for it. This is kind of on par with, like, my crow dives that I did off my friend's tree and (laughs) stuff like that. Um, There was definitely an afternoon where me and my turtle friends, my my turtle friends, my turtle crazed friends were like, let's lift up a manhole cover and see what it would be like in the sewer. Okay. And we just lifted it up, and then we, like, peeked our head in and smelled it, and that was enough. That was it. That's not too embarrassing. Okay. If you had gone down in the sewer and, like, found a body or something, that would have been something, but... Yeah. Or (laughs) found the skinnamarink down there. Perhaps. I don't know yet what the skinnamarink is, but uh, I'm excited to find out. It's just called skinnamarink because it's, like a child thing like it, it wasn't like part of a song or something like oh i have no idea or, or riddle it, there's no like skinamarink in the movie but i just always my thing now is just you're not going to get me skinamarink <laughs> let's open a roller skating movie theater and we'll call it cinema rink oh my god yeah. can that be where friday night double features is at the cinema rink yeah absolutely yeah it's, so it's like adjoined to a, a roller skating rink yeah okay the whole perfect thing to do before you get to the movie early. <laughs> That's right. Or even yeah. after you see a movie, you're like, that was delightful. Let's go for a quick skate. Totally. Uh, Ninja Turtles 2 has a Michael Jai White cameo making a return to the podcast. Yeah. From yeah. Spawn. <laughs> they didn't know what they had. No, you know, he shows up in Toxic Avenger 2 also. And, oh, does he? Uh, yeah. Uh, around the same time. Well, that would have been like 89. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, actors got to work, right? And like he keeps trying to be something, and it takes until Black Dynamite for him to get like a theatrical starring role. Well, Spawn, I guess, but he's buried under makeup. And (laughs) no, I've tried. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what what do you think about uh, Paige Turco versus Judith Hogue? Who's your your preferred April O'Neill? I feel like she has so little to do in this movie 
that I got to go Hogue. And again, you you also watched three, which gives you more Paige Turco. So you're a little more familiar with her take on the character. Yeah. I I mean, I like Paige Turco. She seems very nice. She was on the soap opera that my mom watched. So when she showed up in Ninja Turtles 2, I knew who she was. Um, But after reading that Judith Hogue like, wasn't asked back because she fought with producers about the treatment of the stunt people, I kind of feel like she's the people's April O'Neil. I would agree with that. She's not even Paige Turco's fault. I just like Judith. Yeah, right. It, it's like the Elias Coteus thing in, uh, in um, the, the first movie. It's just like, there's a little spice to these potatoes here. Like, exactly. Uh, like, yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit more new line for me. You know, yeah, it's a little, yeah. it's a little new liney. And Judith Hogue is the Norma Ray of new line. She is she really. Is. <laughs> yeah. The way I would equate it is Paige Turco is like, you know, like your teacher in school who everybody loves. Yeah. And Judith Hogue is like the woman he see outside the bowling alley who will let you have a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So there's room for both in my world. Yeah. Yeah, Paige Turco wouldn't have fit in sort of the the grittier original film. Yeah, and Judith Hogue would have no temperament, no no patience for turtle nonsense in in part two. No, she wouldn't be letting them live with her and fuck up her shit daily. That also, like, so um, turtles, uh, you can't kiss turtles. I saw that you would get salmonella. Oh, bummer. You you can't have um, turtles around your food. They recommended not having turtles in your kitchen and things like that because you know it's they're not part of our world. In that right, group. right. So I worry for her health because yeah. they have free reign on her apartment. That's why she wants to go back from feudal Japan because she's like, I need access to healthcare. You guys, I'm dying of salmonella. Yeah, and um. She's just got splinter like up in her bedroom and stuff like that. And I mean, like, I'm skipping stones. And we, we we would be remiss to not talk about one of the most made fun of moments in Turtles 2. Okay. Which is she says, Where's Splinter? And then they say, He's up on the roof. And then there's a weird beat, and she goes, What's he doing on the roof? And he just goes, Coming. And then oh, there's right. a pause, and he goes, to a decision. <laughs> <laughs> He's an amazing puppet. I love all the Jim Henson creations in this movie. I think it's weird that Kevin Clash is doing the voice, not because Kevin Clash has been canceled, but because it's, you know, a, essentially a racist accent that he's doing. Uh, but whatever, it's an amazing creation. When I, when the original, this is a stupid story that I shouldn't tell, but when the original turtles came out me and my friends bought the comic book adaptation and then we're turning that into like a radio play where we were like recording ourselves doing all the parts <laughs> and there was this one guy in the group who he wasn't illiterate but just like he would read shit wrong all the time so he was doing splinter and he too was doing a racist voice because <laughs> it was 1990 and we just didn't know better uh yeah. and uh it said underground, but the U 
was written weird and he thought it was an L and an I. So he said something about going Linderground. <laughs> I was like, Linderground's not a word. Why did you say Linderground? Use context clues. Anyway, I think of Linderground all the time. Our, uh, our Skatamarink movie theater where Friday Night Double Features is now called the Linderground. <laughs> <laughs> we play some Linderground cinema there. And, yeah. uh, that's at Cinema Rink. Yeah, it's Cinema Rink. <laughs> uh, they, uh, remind me, after the show, I got to send you a link to a YouTube video. It's for, like, AMC Theaters Movie Madness, when I guess they had midnight movies. I remember it's that. it's from, like, the early 90s. And if it wasn't, like, AMC Theaters, it would be, like, perfect for Smash Cut. Oh, damn it. It's It's pretty cool. It's, like the warriors come out for the midnight screenings and it's just like i don't know honey should we go to midnight (laughs) (laughs) there are some people behind me at heavy metal last night who were uh complaining about the number of trailers they were like how many trailers are there gonna be they're the they were the walkouts of heavy metal but uh i want to turn around and be like that's what we're here for like we're here to see vintage trailers and watch an old movie. We're not here. Whatever. Anyway, it's an experience. Yes, exactly. That anywhere else. That's why exactly. it's exactly. Yeah. The only thing that would make it more special is if every week or every month you said, this is the last one. <laughs> We're, the theater is closing. The theater is closing after this. So um, maybe a good segue to a yeah. movie game. I have more to say about Turtles too, but this, it, the Elk Grove thing is just a too good of a segue. Okay. When Ninja Turtles 2 was at the Elk Grove, yeah. these were the other movies playing. So if you were teleported back in time to the Elk Grove Theater on uh, July 19th, 1991. This is me had... now or me then? Either. However, whatever you feel like answering it as once you hear the choices. I'll do me now, but I feel like I'm going to pick everything over Turtles 2. Okay, so um, two screens, two movies on each screen. So the uh, there was Ninja Turtles 2, and then after that was A Kiss Before Dying, Matt Dillon again. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. I never have, but I always kind of wanted to. Yeah. I need, I need and then um, once I tell you this, it's going to be a no-brainer, at least for yeah. you now, I think. The other screen was a double feature of Hudson Hawk and Toy Soldiers. I saw that double feature at the what? Elk Grove. Yeah. <laughs> that was my second viewing of Hudson Hawk and my second viewing of Toy Soldiers. <laughs> but I took, I went with my dad because uh, he hadn't seen either one. And I was like, Dad, we got to go see this double fe- Anytime there's a double feature, I went. Uh, we went on like a weeknight, which I was never allowed to do. So I was I was out till like 11 o'clock uh, seeing Hudson Hawk and Toy Soldiers. But yeah, I definitely went to that double feature. I just picture like all four of the turtles like peeking in the theater and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm point to Bruno and I'd be like, come on, guys. Yeah, He'll be like, yeah. you could be swinging on a star. <laughs> One thing that was interesting, so this movie came out when I was eight, almost nine. Um, At the time, I didn't really have, like, an understanding of how big of a star actors were in the Mm -hmm. movies I was watching. Mm -hmm. So I think I mentioned this to you more infamously with, like, I thought Buster Poindexter was, like, Frank Sinatra big. (laughs) 
But like I thought that like Pog, Elias Coteus, Paige Turco, the guy who plays the police captain. I'm like, oh, these are all of our our greatest galaxy stars. <laughs> uh yeah i mean it makes sense it's like these are the actors in the things that i love so these are clearly the most famous people uh in america but no they're not yeah i didn't realize you know the director of turtles 2 michael pressman Mm -hmm. uh has done basically every tv show you've ever watched and Mm -hmm. dr detroit yeah i wrote down that and Bad News Bears Breaking Training. Which I haven't seen, but I have seen The Great Texas Dynamite Chase, which he also did and is a lot of fun. Oh, that's good. Yeah. he's He does a cameo in Turtles 2. Yeah, I saw that in the trivia. Yeah. He, um, whatchamacallit, I, I read that Laird and Pressman were mad that Steve Barron didn't come back. Right. He did such a good job with the first one. And I would agree with them. Yes, absolutely. Again, he found a tone that worked. Yeah. Um, that was served as, I think, a nice bridge to sort of the, the, the grittiness of the comic and some of the cartoonishness of the cartoon. Um, and this one is just not interested in that. It's just live action cartoon, which again, if you were somebody who loved the cartoon, then there's more to love in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so Ernie Reyes Jr. What's your take on, on, on Ernie Reyes Jr.? He doesn't endear himself to me when he insults a woman's weight in his second line of dialogue. Um, if I'm dreaming, I'll dream of something a little thinner. Yeah. And I guess we're supposed to be like, Oh, that's my guy. But that, yeah. I had a different reaction. Um, when I was younger, I didn't. It didn't bother me. But like this time, obviously, it bothered me. And then two, I'm just like that. Was like A is that's awful. B yeah. is um, you're doing this right in front of your workplace. So like <laughs> right. you think like they're not just gonna go in and be like, what the fuck is with your <laughs> <delivery>? <laughs> uh, He's fine i mean he's kind of a nothing character but he's good at fighting i mean i guess the story goes that he was the donatello he was in the suit as donatello in the original movie and they liked him so much that they wanted to give him a part uh especially because they weren't bringing back casey jones because he was too edgy too much farmhouse sex heat as you put it Mm -hmm. uh and so they booted casey jones out of there and his replacement is kino who's like fine it's so weird like how quickly he adapts same with like uh maybe the foot clan i don't know people like think nothing of the five foot tall talking turtles Mm -hmm. and then splinter comes down some steps and they're like they can't believe that there's a giant rat skipping stones and i don't understand why they're not phased by the turtles I think because they all go to the Lunderground Theater. (laughs) Linderground. It's Linderground. The the Linderground Theater. And the turtles are movie buffs. (laughs) (laughs) They said they, yeah. You wouldn't believe how crazy the turtles get at these (laughs) Linderground. Well, they're quoting Casablanca in this movie. In the first movie, Raph goes to Critters. Why do they come up with this stuff? 
you know. Buggers. Buggers. <laughs> um, I like the opening credits where it's just like pizza porn. That's pretty nice. It always makes me want to go get like grunge pizza now because yes. that's like right right by me. I'm jealous that you live so close to grunge pizza because I really like their pizza. I tried um, the non-thin crust. I tried their pan pizza. Okay. I, I had the, the grunge special, so to speak. Okay. And um, it was really good. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like their it thin crust. It had Italian sausage on it. It was, it was yummy. I'm into it. It uh, gave me indigestion, and that's what I was dealing with at heavy metal. So, like, when I was talking <laughs> to Mike, I was, like, really out of breath. So that was, um, Heavy then, metal uh, cleared that right up. It did. It really did. Um, let's recall it. I like the title card reveal where they jump and it's a yeah. freeze frame, yeah, and then the ooze oozes, right? Good stuff, right? It's just, it's just cinema. <laughs> um, so okay, on a scale of one to ten, what ninja rap, what, what are you giving it? I mean, it's catchy. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a seven. You're going to go on eight. Okay. Because if I'm giving You Can Count On Us a six <laughs> and got to get a gift for Splinter a six, the Ninja Rap is clearly 20% better than that. <laughs> yeah, Ninja Rap, uh, one of the better songs on the TMNT2, TMNT2 soundtrack. Yeah. Um, I, I read that they were surprised how well the soundtrack did for the first movie. So they like understandable with with partners in crime well the thing i read was that yeah they put a bunch of extra money into the soundtrack because they didn't have to invest it in turtle suits because they already had turtle suits so the money they saved on some of the special effects they put into the soundtrack but i couldn't name you a song besides ninja rap well you're missing the best song in the movie though okay awesome Open parentheses, you are my hero, close parentheses by Yakit K. All right. Um, it's really good, but I got a fun autobiographical story about that. Love it. So um, you know, so Yakit K is a rapper. She doesn't right. do the chorus. Um, so the chorus is this guy with like a keyboard guitar, and he's just like, You are my hero. He's like that. So uh, he's like, and he's investing, like he sells yeah. the song. Um, and that guy, uh, was the manager for a white rapper that my college roommate was a photographer for. Oh, geez. Okay. Okay. Your college roommate photographed this rapper. That guy's manager was awesome. You are my hero. Yeah. Okay. So I went to go visit my college roommate years after we graduated. This was like yeah. five years after we graduated. He lived in in like Louisville, like that area. So I go to Louisville and he's just like, and this is something that bugs me a little bit is like when you go visit somebody and then they just fold you into their day. Instead of, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, put, like, like, give me a show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I traveled. Give me a, give me right. some fun. So, so he's just like, I got to work tonight. I got to photograph this, this rapper who looked like Daniel Craig, which made it even weirder. So I'm watching James Bond rap. So, <laughs> so he's just like, so it's at this bar, just come with me and everything like that. It'll be fun. So I'm just like, okay, bar rapper, whatever. So I go there and he wasn't kidding. He had to work. Like he was just like ignoring me and I didn't know anybody in Louisville. So I'm <laughs> in this bar by myself, like 
And I'm just kind of like, do I hit on women? What's the point of that? <laughs> like, I'm here for one day like, <laughs> and I'm staying at my friend's house, like stuff like that. So like, it was like really weird. I met, by the way, I met the, the, the Daniel Craig rapper. He was a very nice guy. Oh, nice. And, um, so that made it a little bit better. But um, so I was just like super bored and I was like, I want to go. So I go up to my, to my old roommate and I was just like, Hey, um, I think I'm going to go. And he's just like, what do you mean? And he drove me there to the bar. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. It's just like, I'm just bored. I just don't, I, this just isn't, there's nothing for me. And I feel awkward because I'm sitting by myself and stuff yeah. like that. And then he just goes, well, I got to work here for like another couple hours. So like, are you just going to take a cab or something back to my house? And I'm like, no, I'm going to go, go. And he's just like, what do you mean? And I'm like, and it was like 1130 at night. I'm like, I'm going to call a cab. I'm going to go back to your house. I'm going to get my car and I'm going to drive all the way home. <laughs> Shit. And then he's just like, did you, he's like, what, what are you talking about? And I'm, like, I'm like, you did nothing wrong. I just cannot be part of this anymore. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even mad. I just don't want this. I want to be away from this. I want to wake up in my bed. This is weird. I don't want to do this. So that's the the sixty wow. bacon to the you are my hero keyboard guy. Did your roommate say like awesome? You are my hero. No, he was more like, "What is wrong?" With <laughs> Do you guys still talk? No, <laughs> I kind of bansheed him. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because um, he kept like he's he's a nice guy, but it's just like he he's kind of like Louisville rich, and I'm kind of like. Chicago land not rich <laughs> and I sort of was like embarrassed by the disparity the growing disparity Got and it. I kind of was just like every time I saw him I felt like I had to prove like that I was doing better <laughs> every time I saw him <laughs> and I'm just like I am what I am I don't know right so I I made up all these lies about like how horrible I am and then he got the hint eventually oh my gosh <laughs> it was really weird I like made up DUIs and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I tried to make myself sound as awful as possible. <laughs> you have more secrets than the ooze. <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> I'm totally awesome. I am your hero. Um, Ninja Turtles 2 won favorite movie at the Kids' Choice Awards. I guess. Um, also winners at that awards. Um, the uh, Choice TV actor Bill Cosby, choice TV actress Roseanne Barr. <laughs> well, this is dated well. <laughs> yeah, totally <Holy> awesome. <laughs> um, then, yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. I, I do have the movie game of better or worse. For you, Let's though. do it. All right, so this is according. So I always pull these from. Um, if I can, like if it's a horror list or if it's like right. a sci-fi list, I pull it from those uh, Ad Astra books or Ad Nauseum books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is their definition of sci-fi fantasy. So I don't always agree with these. Okay. But... Okay, so better or worse than the Adams Family? Worse. Uh, Beastmaster 2. I can't say with any certainty that I've seen Beastmaster 2, so I'm going to say better. Um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Worse. And you thought your parents were weird. 
which I've never seen. Uh, meet the Applegates. Uh, <laughs> worse. I was always confused why Christina Applegate was not in Meet the Applegate. She was too busy trying to keep her mom from finding out that the babysitter had died or something. Oh, yeah. That movie is like really well shot. <laughs> it's all shot on weird eight millimeter short ends. That's the only movie that looks worse than Skin of a Ring. <laughs> It's a good movie, though, which is like the irony of it is like I kind of like that movie, but it looks like dog shit and I can't figure out why. Yeah, it's very odd. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the Never Ending Story 2. Ooh, this is better. Um, the Rocketeer. Worse. Eve of Destruction. Worse. Um, Suburban Commando. I never saw Suburban Commando. This I'm is better to admit. Okay. Okay. I, I wanted three. to because I liked Hulk Hogan at the time, but well, who didn't? Yeah. Right. I'm Which surprised you did well. Right? <laughs> We're making the same joke. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. He is not welcome at the Linder Ground Theater. No, he is not. No, fuck Not him. even when we. When even we... if Gremlins are in the projection booth. <laughs> <laughs> we'll um, play the John Wayne cut. Because, you know, <laughs> that guy's a fucking American hero. Yeah, exactly. He won the on the um Hall of Fame award <laughs> at the kids' choice. Um highly this year's Vanguard Award goes to Mr. John Wayne the Duke. <laughs> oh sorry, that was a misprint. It says John Wayne Casey. <laughs> this award show is not for kids at all. <laughs> Anyways, um Highlander 2, the quickening. Oof. I would rather watch Highlander 2. Highlander 2, The Quickening rules. <laughs> it's one of those where, like, I want to see both cuts so I can fully understand what's different. But I feel like I've only seen the Renegade version a lot of times. Yeah, the Renegade version's better than what I saw of the original cut. But it, the Which original is, like, cut, really hard to come by now, isn't it? Yeah, you can find, like, some of it on YouTube. But, okay. it's, but they're, like, VHS rips and they're hard to watch. Yeah. Um, Terminator Two. I don't know. Toss up. Uh, uh, is there ooze in that movie? I mean, Liquid Metal is kind of like ooze. Yeah. Yeah. It's just um, a, a hotter ooze. All right. I'll go with Terminator Two. Okay. That was brave of you. Um, yeah. hook, hook. Worse. Star Trek Six. Worse. Nothing but trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Worse. Okay. Yeah, that's that's, that's the list. It. All right. Is Eve of Destruction worth seeing? I think so. I've almost watched it a bunch of times. Is it good, Hines? I like Gregory Hines. He's always great. Yeah, he's super yeah. likable. Um, I've probably only seen it once, but I remember thinking it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like I a... watched um the Preacher's Wife not too long ago for the first yeah. time. And Gregory Hines is like the evil developer in it. Oh no! And I'm just like, even evil. Like <laughs> he's just charming as hell. He's tap dancing his way into my heart. Yeah, you know, good yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's very sad that he passed away when he did because he was great. Yeah, he really was. Yep. Uh, that that's gonna do it then for TMNT two: The Secret of the Ooze, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you talking about this movie with me because. 
I really thought there was like a show there. And obviously there was, we got through it thanks to you. But uh, after I watched it, I was like, Oh, I don't have a whole lot to say about this movie. Cause there's barely a movie here. I'm embarrassed. I'll, I'll say in closing that I'm embarrassed that there was a point in this movie that made there. Okay. There's a Michelangelo joke in TMNT two. And there's a Michelangelo joke in TMNT three that made me laugh out loud by myself in my apartment yesterday. Is it a little too Donatello? That's a good joke, but yeah. that made me like chortle more than Okay. That. What's the one that made you laugh in two? I wouldn't have any frame of reference for the one in three. I'm so, Well, I'll tell you about the one from three first. Okay. I'll, it's, it, do you ever see a movie where it's like 20 years later and it's clearly a joke meant for the time, but sure. it's like, born again funny because it's like you haven't thought about this so michelangelo runs into a burning house and saves a little boy in feudal japan and he runs out and he just goes eat your heart out kurt russell (laughs) (laughs) sure it was already like too late for a backdraft joke but it's like two years later so like at the time it would totally be eye rolling and now i'm just like that's for me (laughs) (laughs) um the one in Turtles 2 is when either Toka or Razar throws Michelangelo against the uh, wall and the wall falls falls down next to the club and that's how they find the club. Yes. Um, which is a weird club because it's next to an alley with turtle monster fighting. Right. And it's on a pier <laughs> which collapses yet the building is fine. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, he throws them at the wall, and then Michelangelo says, now I know what a postal package feels like. Oh, that made you laugh. <laughs> like, to the point where I laughed, and then I was embarrassed, and I laughed again, because I was so <laughs> that I laughed. <laughs> well, I appreciate that degree of self-awareness. Yeah, I'm a big old idiot. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys very much for listening uh as always go to fthismovie.com every day for more cool shit follow us on twitter at fthismovie like us on facebook follow us on youtube where you can find adam and rob doing reserved seating every thursday uh email us at fthismoviepodcast at gmail.com and of course go to our patreon patreon.com slash fthismovie for more content we don't have a patreon show up yet i promise we will get one up this month it was supposed to be me and my wife but she is sick so i have to figure out a plan b um but thanks again adam this was a lot more fun than watching teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 thank you and uh get well soon erica Thanks for listening to FS Movie.